Morning, Grace. It is good to see you guys. I'm Pastor Tannen, I'm the children's pastor here at Grace, and uh, it's a privilege to be with you guys this morning post-Christmas. A lot of you are, are, are coming in here, and you have, have left the hustle and bustle of the family gatherings and, and the Christmas Eve services and all the things that surround Christmas for you and your family and some of you are probably in here this morning just frankly feeling exhausted. Some of you are, are coming in here this morning and, and you still have gatherings yet to go to this afternoon or next week, and it goes on and on. This season is so good. This season represents and reminds us of some of the most glorious truths that God has given to us, but it can leave us feeling tired. It can, feel us, it can leave us feeling stressed. And some of us have, have, have felt that this season. My hope is that this morning as we go to God's word, that we're going to be filled with hope. We're going to be filled with encouragement. Because 2020 has been quite a year, am I right? I mean, there are so many things that have not gone according to plan in 2020 in all of our lives. And there's been, there's been cancellations, there's been rescheduling. I mean, it started, I think it was like March 11th when the NCAA March Madness Tournament was canceled. And I was just left like, this is not going to be good. This is not going to be good. And I am just praying that the 2021 tournament will uh, go forward as planned. That's my hope, that's my prayer. But 2020 has been crazy. The political climate is turbulent. It's all over the place. We're left wondering what's going to happen the next year, the next four years. Some of us are, are, are frankly worried and we're, 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 we're shaken by this. Some of us this year, have we've had school-aged children and we're wondering, man, is the next few months going to be e-learning? Are they going to be able to go back to school? How is this going to play out? Are they even going to really learn anything this year? Are we going to have to figure this out next year? And, and we're filled with, with confusion. And some of us in here this year have, have faced tremendous amounts of loss. Some in here this morning have had to say goodbye to loved ones. Some have had to say goodbye in, in hospitals and, and have had that opportunity while others, either due to COVID or other causes, have not been able to say those goodbyes. And 2020 has literally ripped your life apart. And my hope is that as we dive into God's word, as we dive into another piece of this Christmas story, that we're going to encounter a, a, a part of God that I believe can, can shoot us to the, to the galaxies of hope because our God is a sovereign God. He is a God that in the midst of our chaos, in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our confusion, in the midst of those moments when we literally feel like we have absolutely no control over our circumstances, we have a God that in the truth of God's word speaks to us and says he is in control. He is the sovereign Lord of all that has the highest seat in the universe. And what we're going to see this morning is that our God has chosen to use that authority. He has chosen to use that sovereignty. 
to come and meet us where we're at and to save us from the the sin that ruled all of our lives. The Lord is sovereignly in control and he is certainly faithful. We're gonna open our Bibles this morning to Luke chapter two. And in Luke chapter two, we're just gonna read together uh, verses 28 to 32, but over the course of our morning together, we're gonna be tracking through verses 22 through 40 Um, in this Christmas story. It's a unique part of the story that I think sometimes gets lost a little bit, but I think it has some powerful truth um, that God wants to remind us of this morning. And so if you have your Bibles open, would you please stand with me as we read God's word together? We're going to read verses 28 to 32 in Luke chapter 2, and we'll go ahead and read. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Thank you. You may have a seat. We see here in this part of the Christmas story, we're going to be reminded of a couple things. We're going to encounter several people. In this this account, We're going to encounter Mary and Joseph and the Christ child himself. We're going to be introduced to a man named Simeon and a woman named Anna. And in this part of the story, we are reminded that Jesus, as the sovereign Lord of all, chose to come to this earth in the most obscure circumstances possible. We need to backtrack to realize he was born in the the poorest location available. Born in a barn, as we all know. There was no place for him in the inn to stay in the packed out Bethlehem. And so a, a stable was all that was left. And he was laid, his first bed was a, a feeding trough for animals. I mean, you can picture the the just the smells and the setting of that birth. I grew up on a sheep farm. It doesn't smell good. Barns often do not smell good. They don't look good all the time. And while I was growing up on a sheep farm, about the months of January through February, that was when all the baby lambs were born. And uh, my, my, my dad has a PhD in sheep delivery, okay? If you need baby lambs born and you need someone to help that process out, my dad, he's, he's, he's the man for the job. I would like to think I got a bachelor's degree in that as I grew up there on the farm. And so the time came for Marcus to be born, uh, our firstborn. And I told my wife, listen, I think I got this thing covered. Let's just stay here at home. And I think I, think I can do this. I'm ready. I've got the experience. I don't think we need the hospital. And she didn't really need to say any words. The look on her face <laughs> said it all. And so I, I put that um, behind us and we went and had Marcus in the hospital. And, and you guys had your children in the hospitals. Jesus, the savior of the world, the sovereign Lord, the sovereign creator overall, was born in a barn in the poorest location. And he was also born to some of the poorest people. The sovereign reigner of the universe was not born to kings and queens. He was not born 
into a, a, a dynasty of power on this planet. He was not born in the palaces. He was born to a young girl and a young man who had little to nothing to their names. And we see that in this passage. In verse 22, it says, when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves, or two young pigeons. In a nutshell, in the book of Leviticus, all the way back in the Old Testament, God had set up many different laws to govern and to, to rule his people. And, and one of the laws that he instituted in Leviticus chapter 12 were, were ceremonial purification processes for women after they would have children. And specifically, as we deal with this, this um, Jesus being born, Mary and Joseph are simply following faithfully with what the Lord has told them to do. And so this is Mary's first son. Jesus is her firstborn. And so it's been about three weeks. The process lasted for about three weeks after Jesus was circumcised. And so Jesus is about 40 days old as we encounter him in this passage this morning. And as Mary and Joseph come into Jerusalem and they step into the temple to consecrate Jesus to the Lord, consecrate the Lord to the Lord, that's just a crazy thought. As they step into the temple, they bring him in and, and all they can afford are a couple birds. And if you were to look at Leviticus 12, the law stated that if you could afford it, that you were to bring a spotless one-year-old lamb to be the sacrifice. And so we see here as they come in that, that Mary and Joseph, they have nothing. They can't afford even a little lamb to offer to the priest as a sacrifice for the lamb of God. Jesus was born in the poorest location and he was born to some of the poorest people the savior of the world, the, 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 the ruler of the universe, humbled himself in the most profound ways imaginable. And as he comes into the temple and, and, and Mary and Joseph present this to him, one of the reasons why God chose them in the first place was because of their humble, extraordinary faith in the one who had control over it all. And we see that those who are rich in faith are the most wealthy in the eyes of our God. It's one of the reasons why Mary was chosen. And they present this sacrifice to the priest. And this priest's name is Simeon. And that's where we encounter Simeon in this story. And Simeon was a man who, who loved God. He was faithfully following God. And, and he was one of the very few people who were actually looking forward to the promised Savior. From the very first sin of Adam and Eve, all the way back in Genesis, there was prophecy after prophecy after prophecy foretelling us that a Savior was going to come to save God's people from their sin. And Simeon was a man that he was long expecting this. 
He was, he was waiting for it with eager expectation, and God gave him one of the greatest gifts that a man at this time could ever receive. God had promised Simeon. He said, Simeon, you will not see death until you see the Savior that I will be sending. Like, can you imagine getting that promise from our God? At that point, the Savior has not come into the world. There is darkness. There is despair. The setting that Jesus was born into cannot even compare to the turmoil that's going on in our country. The chaos, the political landscape, and the turbulence that was going on in the the time that Jesus was born was off the charts. Darkness and brokenness and confusion were at an all-time high. People were in despair. And some people had wondered, is, is God even, is he even real? Like, does he even know what's happening down here? Like, does he even care? But there were a few, like Simeon, who were longing. They were hoping in this coming Savior. And so we see that, that Simeon, full of the Holy Spirit, he was waiting for God to send relief to his people. His people were struggling. Some of you have, have worked out and you have, you have been under incredible stress and you're in that last bit of the workout and you are like dying. Your muscles are giving out. They are fatiguing beyond the point of control. And when that clock stops and when you are able to rest, the relief that you feel is off the charts. And these people of God, they have been laboring. They are fatigued. And they are waiting for this relief. And Simeon, he, he comes into the temple as Mary and Joseph enter. And, and we don't know exactly how this exchange takes place. All we know is that they walk up to Simeon and Simeon sees this boy and he is overwhelmed. In this moment, Simeon realizes God's promise is true. And he's holding this child in his hands. And he's overwhelmed because he realizes as he's looking at this baby boy, as he's, as he's looking to bless this child, he realizes this is the child that is going to bless me. This is the child that is going to bless our people with his life. He's overwhelmed with joy as he literally looks into the face of God. You can picture this moment in your minds, this, this, this expectation, this, this hope and a promise that has been kept to him. His soul is, is, is filled with peace as he stands in the midst of a landscape that is far, far from peaceful. And he goes on to, to, to sing this song and, and, and he says, Sovereign Lord, as we read, and and that word is so powerful. It's a word that describes our God, and it's a word that we're going to flesh out this morning because I feel like it's very, very important for us to understand. He says, Sovereign Lord. What does sovereign mean? Sovereignty, Sovereignty simply means rightful authority or supreme rank. And the astonishing thing about this is Simeon is singing this song over this child, this infant, this baby. 
I mean, Jesus is probably squirming in his arms. He might have even been crying. We don't know. He's a baby. And Simeon is just praising. He says, sovereign Lord, you have the rightful authority. You are the supreme leader. And he sings this song that you have kept your promise. God, in his sovereignty, has the rightful authority over this entire universe. In Colossians chapter 1, it says that, that through him, through Jesus, all things were made. And that all things are held together by him. He is in the highest seat in the universe. Yet he chose to come down to be born in a barn in the poorest location and to some of the poorest people. He came not to be served. He came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That is how our God has chosen to use his rightful authority. And he's given us the opportunity to choose. He's given us the ability to say, God, we are gonna bow our lives, we are gonna bow our knees to your rightful authority. And we also have the choice to say, God, Jesus, you're a good guy, you've done a lot of great things, you healed some people, and, but you know what, I, I, I'm gonna live my life how I wanna live. I want to live my life by my own set of rules and that's just going to be okay. We had that choice. Are you going to bow your life to the sovereign rule of our loving and gracious God or will you choose to live your life by your own set of rules? That choice is yours. In his sovereign rule, he gives us that option. I was young. I was, a, I was probably seven or eight years old and I was probably taller than most seven or eight-year-olds at the time, but I definitely still was acting like a seven or eight-year-old, and my mom was, was kind of at that point, I was getting taller, I was getting bigger, and I was an ordinary kid, and in my, in my stubbornness, my orneriness, and my just pure disrespect, a, a day came when I just, I, I don't even know what it was, I don't know what I did, but I just completely disrespected my mom just completely disrespected her. She'd asked me to do something, I think, and I just completely was like, I'm not doing that. I'm seven or eight years old. I'm almost as tall as you, mom. What power do you have over me? Is what I was thinking in my seven to eight-year-old body and in my mind. And so my, my mom, she, she felt obviously very disrespected. And so she was at the point where she's like, I'm gonna teach him a lesson. And so she said, Tana, get over here. And so I walked over, feeling very confident, and she spanked me. And as she spanked me, I began to laugh. And maybe you've experienced this as parents. Children, if you're in here, don't do that. And so... My mom, obviously, as, you can, as many of you can expect, was filled with frustration that I was not getting the message. And so she spanked me again, and this time a little harder. And I laughed a lot harder. 
And it was in that moment that I was thinking to myself, there, there is nothing that my mom can do to me. Like, I, I, am, I am old enough, I don't have to listen to what she says because she gave everything she had. And it didn't even hurt. And so my mom was tremendously hurt. She probably walked off and then she said these words, wait till your father gets home. It was my death sentence. In fact, that, that's all that needed to be said. I mean, the punishment was done right there. The fear that was put into my heart as she said those words just overwhelmed me. I went back to my room and from my room, I could hear the garage door open and shut. And that evening, I knew about the time when he would get home and I hear the garage door opening and I start to sweat. Because I realized, man, I, I, I was walking around like I was pretty high and mighty, like I was the one that, that ran the roost here. And I completely disregarded and disrespected the rightful authority that my mom had over my life. And so time progressed and I'm sitting in my room just like, just trying to hide. There's nowhere to hide. It's the worst feeling in the world. I hear the steps. My dad was a principal and uh, he he had the board of education back when you could spank kids in school. And uh, it's a good, I, I mean, yeah, we won't go there right now. And so I'm waiting, I hear the footsteps coming up to my, to, to my door, and, and the sweat just starts coming harder, and, and I got to say, I, I did not laugh. I did not laugh when my dad came in the room. I did not laugh when he spanked me. I cried. But the thing about, the thing about it, and it's, it's, it's one of the, it gets me emotional thinking about it a little bit, it's one of the greatest things my dad ever did with me and taught me. Every single time. He came down hard, and there was no doubt. A lot of tears were shed in my room. I was a very stubborn little boy. But even harder than the discipline was, was the hug and the love that he showed me after that experience. He told me that he loved me. He told me why he was doing it. He said, damn, you can't be disrespecting your mom that way. And he filled me up with what he wanted me to do and who he wanted me to be. And he told me he was proud of me. And crazily enough, I would leave that room starting out filled with fear and just sweat pouring down my body to where afterwards, man, I was ready to like go fight a monster. Because he filled me up with that type of, of love and, and compassion. And God's sovereignty... And his rightful authority, there are times when he has to shake us up a little bit. As we bow our knees to him, as we submit our lives to him, there's going to be moments when we want to buck the system. There's going to be times when we want to do our own thing. We want to live our own way. And in those moments, the book of Hebrews says that God enters in and he disciplines those he loves. Because his discipline is meant to set us back on track and back in step with him and his plan and purpose for our lives. His compassion and his grace is always, always leading us and directing us where he wants us to go. That's the beauty about following Jesus. Once you're in his family, you are his son, you are his daughter. And everything that happens in your life 
everything that he allows to happen is leading you in every step of the way, through every trial, through every moment of suffering, through every moment of of confusion, in moments when you just don't have any control whatsoever. He is teaching us. He is helping us. He is guiding us to be in step and to be closer to his heart. That is how our God has chosen to use his sovereignty and his authority in our lives. First Chronicles 29 says of God that he rules over all. Psalm 115 says that God does all that he pleases. In the book of Job, we actually see that no purpose of God can be thwarted or changed. God's plan is always sure. In moments when we feel like things are out of control and we have no idea which way to go, God always knows. God's plan is always working things out for our good and his glory that never, ever changes because that is what pleases him. And in his pleasure, he sent his son. In his pleasure, he gave up his own son. Like, guys, I love you so much. As as one of your pastors, I care about you, I see your faces, and some of you have poured into my life, and I love you with, with a deep, deep love. I could never give up my son Marcus for any of you. I couldn't do it. If, if, if that was what was required in the end, I, I love my son too much. My love for you has, has limits. But if it came to, to me saying, I, I'm gonna sacrifice my own son, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to put him on a cross where he will be humiliated, where, where I will have to throw the sins of all of you on his shoulders to experience that type of loss and torment and despair, I could never do that. But in God's pleasure, he gave up his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That is how our God has chosen to use his authority. That is how he has chosen to use his sovereignty over this universe. That is something that Simeon is so excited about. That's why he's singing over this little Christ child. It's because Simeon remembered all the prophecies that had been long foretold about this coming rescuer and what this rescuer would do for his people. He says, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all the nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. He's quoting portions of Isaiah chapter 42 and Isaiah chapter 49. Isaiah 42 verses 6 and 7 says this about this coming Savior that has been 
absolutely fulfilled in Jesus. He says, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. He says in 49, that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. Guys, that is something that we can celebrate. That is something that we can take into 2021, no matter the the obscurity, no matter the uncertainty, we know that our God is for us. And he promised that thousands of years before this little child came into this world in Bethlehem. And Simeon is overjoyed. He says, this is the child, this is the savior, this is the rescuer that is gonna give the blind sight, that is going to bring out the people from the dungeons who are sitting in darkness and despair. This is the one who will bring light to this dark and broken world. This is the one who will rule over all. In his sovereignty, God has chosen to save his people who were ruled by sin. That's where all of us were. Before Jesus, our lives were ruled by sin. Sin had a sovereign hold over our lives, if you will. That's what we were born into. But then hopefully for many of us, we had that moment when we realized who Jesus was and what he had done for us and we bowed our knee and in that moment, his sovereignty trumped the sovereign rule of sin in our lives and he became our Lord and our savior and our friend. Because see, when Jesus came out of that grave, he squashed, he cut off the head of sin in our lives. He had victory. He had the final say. When he came up out of the grave, in Philippians chapter two, we see that that he is therefore exalted, he's exalted him to the highest place. And God has given Jesus the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is what happened to this universe when Jesus came out of that tomb. And Simeon is holding this infant, this child, and he's recognizing this is him. This is the sin conqueror that I'm holding in my hands. And he's saying, God, thank you for remembering your promise to me. Thank you for showing me that you are true. Thank you that that you've shown me that you are with us. Thank you for showing me that you love your people and not just the Israelites, but, but all nations, tribes, and tongues. God's salvation will go to the ends of the earth. When we're in heaven at that final worship gathering, we will look around And we will see a beautiful, beautiful picture of God's diverse, glorious creation in this world. 
we're going to be arm in arm with brothers and sisters from Africa, from Japan, from Iraq, from Afghanistan, from tribes in Papua New Guinea, from countries that we can hardly even pronounce. We're going to be with them in heaven worshiping forever because God's salvation will go to the ends of the earth. That is a promise that will be fulfilled. His salvation is large, and it is definitely in charge. And we can celebrate that this morning. The beauty of this Christmas story is that Jesus was was no Monday morning quarterback when it came to our brokenness. God in heaven did not sit back and see this fallen world that had had been happening for, for generation after generation and say, you know what, I'm just going to sit back and watch. I might pop a bag of popcorn and have a Coke while I'm at it just because this is really entertaining. Watching them tear themselves apart, watching them defeat and destroy one another in their own lives, this is kind of fun. He didn't do that. God looked down at our world and he was broken. He's the creator. He's the one that put all of us in this building together. He knows every hair on our heads. And he loved us so much that he said, I've got to do something. I'm going to do something. And in his sovereign, rightful authority, he sent the only way possible for us to experience true and right relationship with our God. And he sent his son. He entered into our brokenness. Sometimes when we bring up sovereignty in times of suffering, in times of trial, we're we're often left to question, God, are are you really there? Like, God, my life has been ripped to pieces. And are, are you even, are, do you even hear my cries? Are, 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 you, are you really right beside me? Like, how, how could you let this happen? If, if, if you really are in control, if, if you really do have the rightful authority, how could this be? And for some of you, those questions have, have honestly gone through your mind this year. For some more than others. And the greatest proof that we have that our God is with us in the midst of our deepest pain is through this Christmas story. Because when this world and the timing of God was, 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 was in its broken, dark state, our Savior entered in. He came and dwelt among us. He was born in a barn. He was born to the poorest of of parents in the most obscure circumstances, right in the smack dab middle of the darkness and of the brokenness. And he said, I'm going to grow up and I am going to, to plaster myself on a cross and I am going to endure the wrath of God for you so that you can experience the hope and goodness of heaven for eternity. Oftentimes when we're going through moments of trial and suffering, God is with us every step. And in those moments, 
The, the cares of this world are stripped away. And some of you have been in those moments where if you were being quite honest, you wish you could just end things right now and go to be with our Lord immediately. You've been in those moments of, of despair where nothing else matters. You don't care what car you drive. You don't care what clothes you wear. You don't care if you ever even eat again. You've been in those moments. And when God allows those moments to occur in our lives, he opens one of the clearest windows that we will ever have of the hope and reward that Jesus has extended and won for us. And in those moments, we, we, all we have to do is look at this Christmas story to realize that God has kept his promise to, to his people. He's heard their cries. That's what Simeon is acknowledging here as he's holding this infant in his hands. That Jesus is faithfully in control. That he is certainly reigning. And that he has chosen to use his control to lovingly sacrifice his own life. Jesus used his power to give up his power. That's a crazy thought. Let that just sit there in your mind. And when I heard the gospel and the gospel was preached to me, and I realized that simple reality that God gave up his power, he gave it up to die on a cross. That's all. That, uh, and, uh, the Holy Spirit opened my heart and I, I simply had this simple thought in my mind. That's a man worth following. The Holy Son of God was willing to come down into our brokenness, into our confusion, into our uncertainty and say, I'm going to be your sacrifice. I'm going to be the light of the world for you. I'm going to give you the hope. And I'm going to give you the promise that, 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 that whatever happens, I'm working everything out for your good and my glory for all of those who love and follow me. That is true. And, and, and Simeon looks and he's speaking this to, to Mary and Joseph and it says that the child's father and mother, they marvel at what was said about him. They are astonished. Their lives have been flipped upside down. As they receive the news that, that Mary would be the mother of this child of God, as they were swirling around trying to find a place to stay, she gives birth in a barn. They're bringing him to, the, to, to fulfill these ceremonial rites. And they hear this, this incredible prophecy that's being spoken over him, and they are astonished. As Simeon is holding this, this Christ child, the one who would grow up to die for us, they are amazed. And Simeon tells them, he says, listen, Jesus is going to cause some to, to, he's going to be an offense to them. Jesus is going to rise up, he's going to grow, and he's going to begin his ministry, and people are going to look at him and be like, this guy's a blasphemer, this guy's a joke. They're going to give the middle finger to him and to his life and to his ministry. But he says he's also going to cause some to rise 
there will be those in God's rightful rule and sovereign grace. God is never confused. There are those in this world and every nation, tribe, and tongue that will hear the good news of Jesus and the Holy Spirit will awaken their hearts and they will say, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life and I'm gonna follow him. And Simeon speaks this to Mary and Joseph and then then he goes to Mary and he says, but Mary, listen, this will not be done without you having a sword pierce your soul. And what he was referring to was he's saying, Mary, listen, the days are gonna be dark for you. Those mothers in the room, you, you can imagine this. Mary felt all the emotions as she was giving birth to Jesus. This was an immaculate conception, but she had all the emotions for this little child, just like any natural mother would. And, and, and he was saying, Mary, it's gonna be rough. You're gonna, you're gonna watch Jesus grow up He's going to have the favor of God on his life. He's going to become wise. You're going to see those moments where you're just like amazed because it's like, this is the son of God. He's going to be perfect in every way. And you're going to know this better than anyone else. But as he grows, you are going to see him ridiculed. You are going to see him mocked. And at the end of his life, you are going to see him arrested and lashed and treated as if he was the worst criminal on the planet. But I love the picture. When Jesus is on that cross, Mary is broken. She is in shambles as she stands in front of her son. And as Jesus is languishing on this cross, he looks down and he says, John, take care of my mom. Mom, you are now in his house. In Jesus' sovereign authority, he looks down at his mom and he says, I'm going to care for you. Till his last breath, it says that Jesus loved his disciples till the very end. Jesus has chosen to use his sovereign rule over this universe, over our lives to care for us in the purest way possible by making his own life a sacrifice for us. There's a woman, her name is Anna. And at the end of this passage, she she gets a portion where she has been through a tremendous amount of grief and pain. She's She's a widow, she's lost her husband And we get this incredible picture of Simeon holding this Christ child in his hand. And Anna was one of these women that had been hoping, expecting, longing for this Savior to enter the world. You can imagine in her despair, she is longing for this hope and this gift. And God is so gracious in this moment because Anna sees him standing there and she sees this child and she is propelled. It says that she began instantly sharing and and speaking about this child to everyone who was expecting him to come. And number one is as we in these, as we consider this sovereignty, we can trust that God is in control and that he is good. He has our best in mind at 
all times. And through every moment of confusion, every moment of uncertainty, every moment of pain and suffering that we have endured this year, God is using all of it. We can be certain of it. His promises always come true. The Christmas story is proof that he is indeed with us. He is indeed hearing us. And he wants to be your hope in 2021 and beyond. Even when we have no idea what to expect, he wants to be our hope and our rock. We have a risen savior who is seated on the highest seat. And in Matthew 28, Jesus says this incredible statement as he ascends into heaven, as he is resurrected from the grave and he's going back to be at the right hand of the throne of God. He speaks to his disciples and all that had gathered and he says this statement. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That was his closing statement as he entered into heaven to be with his Father once again. It's what he's speaking to us. He's speaking that he is with you in the midst of your uncertainty, in the midst of your pain. His sovereignty, his rightful authority is ruling over your life. And because of of who he is and because he can never go back on his word, he is going to guide you each step of the way. And he will give you growth step after growth step in 2021 if you are saying, God, I trust you. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. He will fulfill that promise in your life in 2021. No matter who our president is, no matter what our economy is going to look like, no matter what your job is going to look like, no matter what school is going to look like, God will fulfill his promises because he is in rightful authority and it is who he is to us. I love this song that we're going to sing at the end, and and the lyrics go like this. The first few lines say, when all I see is the battle, you see my victory. When all I see is the mountain, you, God, see a mountain moved. And as I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. There is nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. We have a God who is sovereignly in control, and he is certainly faithful to us day after day after day. Would you guys pray with me? Lord, Lord, thank you. Thank you for choosing. Thank you for, for, for using your authority to sacrifice your own son's life on that cross. You gave up everything so that we could be saved from the rule of sin. Jesus, you endured it all 
You took our sin on your shoulders and you died a criminal's death. And we thank you and praise you that you did. And we praise you that now we stand in victory that you won for us. You are sovereignly in control. We acknowledge that this morning. Help us to trust that as we step into this new year. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.